Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. I want to thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy you're listening always. Well, I don't know if you know who Andrew Tate is. Uh, He's kind of a younger generation kind of guy and very popular on social media and very popular with young men. And Andrew Tate is a man's man. Okay, this guy's like a former kickboxer. He's uh, very outspoken, uh, very strong personality, uh, real A-type, you know, kind of personality. And he reminds me of kind of a less intellectual Jordan Peterson. And young men have been kind of reaching for something, um, something to give their life meaning, something to understand the world around them. And you, and you see this with both people like Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate. And last December, not, was it last? Last December, yeah. Andrew Tate and his brother, Tristan, were arrested. Um, and he, we found out later that he was arrested for, hum, quote-unquote, human trafficking. And he was arrested in Romania. Now, Tucker recently interviewed Andrew Tate. And the interview is quite long, so we're not going to be able to cover all of it here. But I wanted to talk about this particular part because Tucker is doing something really interesting here. He's drawing a connection between uh, transgenderism and just the attack on men in general and boys. Um, He's drawing a, a, a parallel between that and some of the challenges that men are having. Um, men, for example, find themselves uh, kind of at a disadvantage uh, if they get divorced from their wife and they have children. Um, in some cases, the women are taking the children away from the man and never letting him see the children. And there's all this attack on transgenderism and um What's what they call uh, gender dysphoria? Uh, it tends to uh, attack men. It's uh, young boys, and so uh, Tucker is kind of drawing some parallels here. He's talking about suicide. Um, for the second year in a row, we had uh, roughly a hundred and ten thousand suicides in the United States, and I don't know what the breakdown is between men and women, but um, I'm sure men are, are probably the majority of that uh, by a pretty good bit, I would imagine. So, and, and, and look, Tucker is not the only person to talk about this. Andrew Tate's not the only person to talk about this. Jordan Peterson's not the only person to talk about this. There is a lot of discussion going on about men being mistreated in our society, um, especially white men. Okay, let's just put it out there. And so, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean for young boys? What does this mean for young men? Um, you know, Tucker 
is exploring this with this conversation with Andrew Tate. Now he he's talking to him about this in the context of his uh, quote unquote crime, the reason he was uh, uh, you know charged with human trafficking. And so my interest in this story really is uh, the state's persecution of Andrew Tate, but um, there's there's more to this interview than just this part. But um, Andrew Tate is nothing if not an awake person. Okay, he understands the state. He understands um, how the state can uh, ruin his life, control his life, that kind of thing. And I just thought it was an interesting conversation. Um, and I wanted to expose the audience here to this conversation. Now, again, this is a very long interview, so I would encourage you to go to Twitter and listen to the whole interview. It's really good. They touch on some other topics that we might, you know, include in another episode or something. But, um, for now, I want to touch on this human trafficking thing, what he's being charged with, um, and, and potentially the implication that, that he just cannot, he's, he's kind of an enemy of the state because he's preaching a narrative that runs counter to the state's narrative. And that can't be tolerated, as you know. The state doesn't like to be embarrassed, doesn't like to be, um, you know, basically shown that their ideas are wrong and stupid. And if you listen to them, you'll be... Uh, you know, you'll be a failure. And this is very much what Andrew Tate um, uh, teaches or, you know, talks about. And, uh, and I, I just thought it was interesting that, that last year uh, he was the most Googled man in America. And so I want to I play this a little bit of this interview and see if we can get to the bottom of why that is. Why was Andrew Tate the most Googled man in America? an attempt to change the fundamental nature of people. Nothing like this has ever been attempted at scale. It's one of the most grotesque and destructive experiments in human history. What would it be like to find yourself the subject of that experiment as a boy trying to become a man during the Biden years? Well, you might kill yourself. Many have. You might decide to reject your own manhood and embrace androgyny or even switch sexes. Girls are better? Fine, I'll become one. Or more likely, you might simply withdraw into porn and weed and video games and give up on your life before it's begun. You might retire at 19, a less dramatic form of suicide. All around us, this is happening. Noticing it is forbidden, but that does not make it any less real. So it's probably not surprising that Andrew Tate was the most Googled man in the world last year. He offers a different vision. Tate is a former professional kickboxer who about a decade ago began posting advice to young men on social media. Tate's view is that men want respect above all. It's how they're wired. In order to get respect, men must become worthy of it. They must become more impressive. Wake up early, work as hard as you can, stay sober, find God, keep yourself physically fit, don't complain. That's his worldview. Earlier generations of Western leaders might have found parts of Tate's message inspiring. Now it's seen as a threat. The media treated him like a criminal up until the day he was officially classified as one. 
Just after Christmas last year, Tate and his brother Tristan were arrested and thrown into prison in Romania, where they live. The Tates were held without charges for three months, very likely with the encouragement of the British and American governments. In June, they were charged with human trafficking. They're now under house arrest until their trial. Are the Tates guilty of human trafficking? We're not their lawyers, but it's worth noting that as of today, not a single woman has come forward to say that she was kidnapped or imprisoned or moved across international borders against her will by Andrew or Tristan Tate. Accusing a man of a sex crime is the fastest possible way to discredit what he's saying. Days after WikiLeaks revealed that the U.S. government had been spying on its allies and lying about it, Julian Assange was arrested in London for rape. Nine years later, prosecutors dropped the case against Assange for lack of evidence, though somehow that fact was not as widely covered. Is that what's happening here? Again, we don't know. Jeffrey Epstein's dinner partners insist that Andrew Tate is a pervert and a criminal. Maybe they're telling the truth. Either way, we think Tate's views about men very much deserve a hearing. So we flew to Romania to talk to him. That was a really long intro uh, to the subject, but I thought it was necessary to uh, kind of put it into context, what, what Tucker is, is saying. Now, look, just, just to be clear, there's no evidence of anything about what Tucker is saying is, is actually a fact. In fact, there's no way to prove anything uh, about what he said that, that leads to any kind of conclusions. But it, it, it is interesting that men seem to be under attack uh, in, the, in the legal system, in the society at large, uh, in their gender, uh, their place in the world, the, the patriarchy, all this discussion about the patriarchy and, um, you know, just, just this talk. You know, it's like, it's like feminism was co-opted by crazy people. And feminism was really not ever about men so much as it was about women being able to do what men can do, which is more or less the case. Certainly, certainly in, in, in the areas of like work and career and things like that, it's certainly possible for women to do as good or even better than men in those areas. But what's, what's happened is there's, there's been, uh, that that has happened okay for women but but the whole process kind of or the pendulum swing swung a little bit too far right i mean it's 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 like now uh, in the courts if you get divorced uh judges routinely take the children away from the father uh, you know deny them custody rights and all kinds of things um that's where some of the biggest abuses of men have been but but also um, in this uh, transgenderism movement and this uh, gender dysphoria uh, movement. And, you know, it's confusing the fact that they're bringing it into the schools and confusing young children about this subject. It's certainly possible that this is leading to increases in drug abuse, suicide, and other uh other less desirable activities by young men. Uh, certainly in the black community, I mean, young men are committing violent crimes, not just against property and property owners, but also against women uh, and, and men. <laughs> so, uh, 
So there's, and, we, and we've long since known, for example, that in, in black households, um, young men are, are typically raised by women. They're not raised by their fathers. And this may have some effect. I mean, we don't really know because nobody's really looking at these things. But people are looking at um, the outcomes, you know, the results, what, what, what's happening to society. And like Tucker said, Andrew Tate started talking to, to young men 10 years ago. And he's, he's developed. In fact, I'd never even heard. I'm not a big kickboxing fan, but I never even heard of Andrew Tate until he was on YouTube talking to young men. So I never knew anything about his sports persona. My, my uh, exposure to Andrew Tate was always through his counsel to young men. And, you know, he's, it, this is a threat. And, and the reason it's a threat, let me explain that real quick, because if you've never watched any Andrew Tate videos, then you might not understand why he's a threat. And that's the case Tucker's making. But the reason he's a threat is because he's telling men that you need to stand up for yourself. You need to think for yourself. You need to be responsible. You need to get a job. You need to learn something. You need to, you need to uh, uh, be strong. And if you think about it, this is, this is something the state's probably not too interested in. They're not interested in strong men with their own opinions and, and uh, the, with the ability to push back. They're interested in sheeple, okay? People that will follow along like there's a, a ring in their nose and do what they're told. And Andrew Tate definitely is not that kind of man. He's not somebody who will be told what to do. So uh, now that we're through the introduction, I want to get jump right into the interview and talk about where this human trafficking came, play, came from. And you're going to be shocked, if you don't already know this, you're going to be shocked at the charges against him and what the case file says that he has done wrong. So what are you charged with? That's a really good question. I'm charged with being the head of an organized criminal group, which is in charge of recruiting girls to make TikTok videos to steal the money from the TikTok views. Recruiting girls to make TikTok videos and stealing the money. So it's really a financial crime? I, it looks that way. And it's very interesting because the girls who they've identified to add to the file are saying that we're not victims of anything and this isn't true. But the state believes it's true. And the state thinks that I, as a 35-year-old man, woke up. I was already extremely financially successful. I was already a father. I was already very well known. I had no financial motivation. I have no criminal record. It's not my personality profile, but I woke up the age of 35 and decided to make girls do TikTok to enrich myself with the pennies that I would earn from TikTok views. So in the United States, the I think the belief is that you were charged with human trafficking. Yeah, that's human trafficking because what you do is you force a girl to work against her will for financial gain. That's human trafficking. And their justification for this is that girls do TikTok. Some girls I know who they found who say they're not victims have TikTok accounts. How do you force someone to do TikTok videos? I guess the prosecutor is going to have to explain that, isn't he? Uh, it's a very interesting scenario I'm in. And I'm inside of Romania, so I have to show a degree of respect to the Romanian judicial yes. system. 
and I have to show a degree of respect to the situation I'm in, but the overall charge is that there's an organized criminal group. There's a group of us. I'm the head of it. My brother is the below me. And we use the lover boy method to convince women to do TikTok videos, to make money so that we can steal the TikTok money. That is most absurd and incredible thing I've ever heard from a government. Now, granted, he's being charged by the government of Romania, but Tucker alludes to the fact that, you know, he said earlier that it was probably at the encouragement of the U.S. and the U.K. government. And this is just insane. I mean, he asked a great question. How do you coerce somebody to make a TikTok video? And, you know, how does it, how would that actually work? You know, um, I mean, do you point a gun at them while they're making the TikTok video? I mean, what, what are we talking about here? I mean, coercion is not the same thing as convincing somebody. So even if, I mean, I'm not even saying any of this is true, but even if you used any, and he used air finger quotes, the lover boy method to convince somebody to do something, that's still not coercion. That's convincing. That's persuasion. So I have no idea how the state's going to make their case here, but this is just the most bizarre and absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. But it, it, it just shows you how powerful the state can be in, in, in disrupting your life. I mean, he's probably going to get off of all this. But in the meantime, he's in house. He's under house arrest. He spent six months in, in jail. Um, I mean, he's got a wife and a ch- children or a child. I mean, can you imagine? Um, and now he's got like an ankle bracelet and he's under house arrest. So it, it just, it just to, in my mind, it just shows you the lengths that the state will go to to make their case against you. So just just to be clear, they, they could harass him for the next two years, three years, and then finally just go, yeah, never mind. <laughs> and, and there's no consequences. So there's no, just to be clear, you are not accused of pandering, of pimping, of no. forcing women to have sex with anybody. No, not forcing them to have sex, not, for, not restraining their uh, movement, not stopping them from living a full life, but the fact that we are somehow convincing them to have TikTok. Very interesting. I don't and, think... But, but, but there's no actual... I'm asking you this because I, I do think it's a widespread belief that you were accused of pimping. Yeah, no, that's nothing to do with any of this case. Absolutely nothing. And it's kind of scary because the crime in itself of human trafficking is a unique one because they can ignore the statement of the victim. So the girls have come forward and said, this is insane. You've just picked us because we're near Andrew and we're his friends. But the whole idea of the crime is they can say that she's under, she's brainwashed, right? She's under duress. So you can ignore her statement. State says she's a victim regardless of the fact that she says she's not a victim. So it's very interesting because the difference between sex and rape is consent, right? Right. But they remove all of that. They're like, nope, you're a victim. No matter what you say, we're deciding you're a victim. And they've chosen them. And of course, these girls do nothing pornographic. They've never had sex with anyone. Nothing to do with that. So they've picked TikTok. So it's scary. Imagine you're a full-grown man anywhere in the world today. They can find two girls who have TikTok on their phone, which is every single female on the planet. And they can accuse you of 
forcing them to take the TikTok money. And even if the girls say they didn't do that, this isn't true, that you're still a you're still a human trafficker. But, but force, what does that consist of? Forcing someone to do something, are they accusing you of using violence or? No, they're accusing me, and this thing, they're accusing me of using the lover boy method, coercing them by being nice. The, and, and by the way, these charges presumably are public, so. They're public and this is extremely serious, but if you actually analyze the overall case against me, they're saying that Andrew and his brother, by being nice men, convinced girls to have TikTok accounts and then take the money. And it's very interesting because inside of the entire case file, there's not a single financial transaction to us for money. Can you believe how absurd and over-the-top crazy, insane this story is? I mean, I'm surprised that there's not reporters all over this story trying to tell it. You know, it, it's just, it's fantastical. But it brings to mind another kind of good libertarian principle is that there can be no crime without a victim. You know, these crimes against the state, and I'm not suggesting that human trafficking is not a crime. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. I think human trafficking is very much a crime. But if what he's saying is true, that you don't actually have to have victims for it to be human trafficking, then I, Seth Martin, am saying that that's not human trafficking. Because human trafficking has victims. These people are lured in. I mean, go, go watch Sound of Freedom. They show you how it's done. They're lured in, told that they're, you know, they can be models or something, and they come meet, you know, and, they, and they're presented. I mean, this was just the kind of the storyline in Sound of Freedom. And, you know, next thing you know, they're all on a bus uh, being, or in a, a container car being shipped halfway around the world to some other country. So yeah, there, there's, you, 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 there's no such thing really as a, as a crime when there's no victim. There's no such thing as a crime against the state. That's stupid. Okay. There's only crimes against people, other individuals. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but the state, we, we've, what you can say about stuff like uh, the founding of America and our and our founding documents is that when you read through it, essentially what you're what you're reading is that we the people, okay, collectively are instituting a state, okay, a government, and that government, the purpose of that government is to provide liberty and uh, allow property and to um, foster an environment where we can uh, pursue happiness. Uh, that's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Happiness, right? So, um, and 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 so what we do is we give the government a certain amount of authority to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We don't give the government power to illegally imprison us or illegally charge us with victimless crimes and make up you know things about us and incarcerate us that's not what we give that's not what we lend this power to so you, you've got a situation right now where many of the governments including the United States and I'm mostly concerned with the United States but they're they're Ill illegitimate governments I mean they're 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 doing things that they were never, given the authority 
to do, not even at the founding. And, and we've allowed this to happen. And so now it's, it's out of control and, you know, there's, you know, we're trying to fight against it. Right. But you've got so many people that just don't even see a problem. What are the penalties? They're extremely severe, five to 10 years in jail. And I've already served coming up now seven months in a form of jail. Um, they can only so you are essentially incarcerated right now. Absolutely. I'm on house arrest and that counts as jail. You can only be held six months without charge. I was initially picked up, thrown in a cell without charge. And I think the intention of the entire investigation at that point was to find the crime because they had very, very weak evidence. They contacted 2000 people who know me or knew me. They tried very hard to convince some female somewhere to come forward and say something bad about me. The media machine, which works hands in hands with the justice machine, as you know very well, did exactly that. In fact, they offered bribes effectively. They'd call up ex-girlfriends and say, if you have anything bad to say about Andrew, we can pay you $50,000 for the story. And they tried very hard. They didn't find any evidence of anything. Uh, they then released me on house arrest. And then two days before the legal limit in which they had to drop everything, they charged me with whatever they had from the beginning, which is very little. And now we have to wait for the Romanian judicial system to analyze the file and God willing, throw it away. And, and I think jail is a different experience when you know you're innocent. When I, there was a guy in there for murder. He's like, yeah, I murdered someone, I'm in jail. You can kind of, your soul and your mind yes. can accept the punishment for a crime. But when you've actually done nothing wrong, I think jail is a lot harder. Did you know why you were there? Not initially. So for the, about the first two weeks, I never actually got told in English what I was accused of because I was arrested on December 29th. There's New Year's. What were the circumstances of that? Yeah, December 29th, 5 a.m., the armed guards ran in this house. Uh, they spent all day searching the entire house. They were very interested in electronics, as most federal agencies are. And then they put me, they took me that evening and said, we're going to go and put you in jail for 24 hours. And after 24 hours, you see a judge, and the judge will decide if you stay in jail. And the judge decided I should Wait, stay in what jail. What did you do? I mean, did you make, who'd you call? I, I had a lawyer, and my lawyer came, and he said, we need to analyze the case file. We need to see what they have against you. You're being accused of human trafficking. It's like human trafficking, that's insane. Who, when, what? What a crazy story, man. I, you know, I've said this about Donald Trump too, but you know, like if I was Donald Trump and I was being treated by the United States government the way he's been treated, I would have sold Trump Tower. I wouldn't even have, I would have done it a long time ago. Like as soon as I left the office of presidency. I would have sold Trump Tower, would have sold everything I had in the U.S. and just left. Wouldn't put up with that shit. Someone like Donald Trump can live anywhere he wants and do anything he wants. And I mean, just I just wouldn't put up with some crazy government. But I think it, I think it kind of speaks to people like you know these men are I guess better than me. Uh, you know Andrew Tate. And Donald Trump, I think Andrew Tate will leave Romania after this is all over with. I think he's just like, well, forget this. These guys can just do anything to you, you know, and make stuff up on you. But I don't know, man. I, I don't know how you stick around. Like, I don't know how Donald Trump stuck around to just get more and more pummeled by the state. Um, I don't know. I, it's beyond me, but... Um, this is just a crazy story about Andrew Tate and it's, and it, they're not going to be able to, there's probably nothing on Andrew Tate. Uh, 
he's probably not doing anything like anything remotely close to what they're telling people he's doing. But that doesn't stop him from pursuing it, you know? He just he's embarrassed the state, he's embarrassed some powerful powerful people, he's he's pointed the finger at some powerful people and accused them of things, and he has a huge audience. You know, I've brought this up before, but there's that movie called The Internet's Own Boy. It's about Aaron Schwartz. And in in the in a somewhere, I don't think it, maybe it's in the movie. I can't remember, but this guy named Kim.com was, uh, and I think he lives in Indonesia or someplace, Thailand or something. But his his house was raided, and he's like some big internet guy. And he was he talks about in the movie how. Um, he was talking to some people and Aaron Schwartz became a target of the government. There were powerful people in America that lost that uh, SOPA. And I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole different story. Maybe I'll tell that story sometime. But uh, there was this big case that was going to go through and the MPAA was all behind it and very powerful people were all behind it. And uh, I think it was called SOPA. If you... YouTube SOPA, you can maybe get some background on it. And there were some very powerful people that after the fact, after that got shut down, after Aaron Schwartz and his army of people shut that down, there were very powerful people that said, that guy's a problem and you got to get rid of him. <laughs> That's what Kim.com said that he found out about Aaron Schwartz. So, you know, look, if you become a problem, they will find a way to get rid of you. I, I firmly believe that. And that's where Andrew Tate is right now. This is, this is why I always talk about, you know, people don't realize who they're dealing with when they're dealing with the state. You're dealing with somebody. They don't care about you. They don't care about your rights. All they care about is their power. And, and if they have to sacrifice you, the ends justify the means. I went to jail and then I was given all this paper in Romanian. I don't speak Romanian, although I live here. And then I was waiting for the translation. So I think it's about two weeks before I finally got the papers in English to understand why I was in a jail cell. And then I really understood how insane the accusations were. What is human trafficking? Yeah. So the overall, my understanding of it, they're saying that human trafficking is when you convince a woman to do something she doesn't want to do for financial gain. And there's different methods you can do that. You can do that through force and you can also do that through emotional coercion. I think most people, just speaking from the American perspective, most people believe that human trafficking is effectively slavery, selling human beings. That's what, and that's what I believe as well, absolutely. And this is the thing that's so interesting. When you finally end up the enemy of the matrix and they use the legal system as a weapon to punish you for having an opinion, you realize how subjective the law is, right? Because it can be a weapon. When you have something subjective, you can just pick and choose. So if they sit and say, ah, human trafficking, is a woman doing something for financial gain against her will via emotional coercion. Well, he knows these two girls. They have TikTok Emotional coercion? Convincing her. That's what I'm accused of because they have no proof of me doing anything wrong. So they said he's convinced these girls to do TikTok for money. The girls have said themselves have said this is not true. And the state is denying their statement saying, no, you're brainwashed. It is true. And I went to jail. So how is the state? So the state is trying to coerce the women. So 
So how is the state not committing human trafficking by the same definition? Well, absolutely. It's very interesting. It's very interesting that you can sit someone down and tell them they're a victim when they say they're not a victim. <laughs> you're a victim of being coerced, and we're going to try to coerce you into conceding you're coerced. Co exactly. It's a very interesting scenario. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a very interesting scenario, and I, I would... I'm, you know, for the average person, this stuff just doesn't even pass the smell test, right? Like, if it doesn't make sense, then it can't be illegal, right? If, if, if the case against you, you, you can't make it make sense. you got to twist yourself all in knots with by wordsmithing the law or, uh, you know, I don't know, just like I said, twisting yourself into knots by changing the meaning of words or or changing the logic behind what a crime is or how a crime is commissioned. I mean, this is just ridiculous. This is, this is the state and the craziness of the world we live in today. I, I, that's why I was called upside down world. We're living in a, a world where up is down and down is up. Left is right and right is left. Right is wrong and wrong is right. I mean, it's just everything is the opposite. People that are criminals are running around stealing and killing people. And people that are uh, liberty-loving people, nonviolent people, non-coercive people, are being ensnared in, in the injustice system. The system now that is being has been turned from providing justice, if you want to call it that. I don't even think it does that. But now it does something even worse. It, it delivers injustice. It harasses freedom-loving, law-abiding people because they're uh, inconvenient voices uh, that challenge the state. That's, that's where we are today. And, I mean, I mean, it's possible somebody could show up one day and just say, I'm under arrest, and seize all these programs and use it as evidence against me or something. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I mean, I have the ability to, to speak freely. I'm not threatening anybody. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I can't imagine what I would be doing wrong by talking into this microphone to unknown names and faces out there. But I can see a scenario where if the show got big enough and I embarrassed enough people in the government, they would just, you know, it's the old, who was it? Uh, Brezhnev, I think, said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. <laughs> We've become more like the former Soviet Union in, in this particular area. So this is a very scary place for a free society to be. I don't think it's, uh, it's not healthy at all. Uh, it, it's not helpful either that uh, the media, who have the, the loudest megaphones of all, are doing nothing about it. It's shameful, really. And it's hard to say at this point how it's all going to end up, but I think you're just going to see more and more of this stuff until they just successfully get rid of all the people that are um, you know, speaking out against all this injustice and this craziness. Tried my best to get out, tried my best to, to via my small phone calls, understand what's happening in the outside world try to make sure that the people I love and care about are taken care of because 
I'm the man of my family and I'm also the man of quite a large, I wouldn't say empire, but life. And there's a whole lot of people who rely on me. You know, you have staff and families, you have well, children I, and families. Feeling, yeah. So when you're plucked from that, it's kind of strange. You're in jail and you're concerned for yourself, but your primary concerns are also all your duties as a man. I have duties as a man. I don't want children to starve. We've got a whole tribe. No, I've got no. people to pay. So it was very, very frustrating constantly trying to make sure everybody else else was okay and feeling helpless. That's what hurt me the most. Make, I was trying to make sure everybody I love and care about was fine and I wasn't as powerful as I should have been and that was very upsetting and especially if they were going to keep me there for years. I was having serious concerns about how I can feed the people I love. Did you ever come to the edge at all? No. I, I certainly had some days I was less happy than others but I I made sure that my mindset was built in a way that I could always be doing something constructive. And also, I think you get what you give in life. I played this part because, you know, as a man, so much of your identity is wrapped up in what you do and your family and who you take care of and who relies on you and all this. And I, I just it really kind of uh, struck me when he started talking about this. You know, he's a lot of people that rely on him, you know, and people that work for him. And, they, and those people have families and all this kind of stuff. But, you you know, none of that's in consideration with the state. You know, they're just he's just a criminal. You know, he's just a thug. Right. He's a gangbanger. He's a gangbanger in a nice suit or whatever. And this is. It's really disgusting. The whole thing really irritates me that people are being treated this way. And, you know, maybe he's guilty. I don't know. We're, we don't know yet, right? We're, we're just not going to know until it all gets resolved. My guess is the state is going to some at some point drop the case against him, but he's going to suffer for two to three years before that happens. All right, I got one more short clip, and then we're going to wrap the show up for the day. I just want to thank you for coming in. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Who Gets to Decide, and share the show. Help me out. Make it bigger. Let's make the audience bigger. Thanks. Peace. I just try my best to cheer people up, to cheer myself up. And as a man, all you can do is just find the resolve to continue doing the best you can in this current circumstance. So.